Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Lonnie speaking over here. I think you're going to really enjoy this one today. Greetings. Uh, we're going to continue on in the fivefold ministry, and we're going to be taking a bit of a switch uh, into uh, being called out. Uh, the church, the word church, ecclesia, means called out ones. So God is forever calling out a people unto himself. Uh, holiness means to be set apart, or the word is actually set apartness. So we've heard of holiness movements, and we always look at the decorum, always look at the dress, mm, right. we always look at the hair. But holiness to God is to being set apart from the world. So there's something about God. Amen. He loves to call people out from among the people. That's just a trait of God, whether it's 144,000 Jews or whether it's 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. God is going to preserve a people, even in this last wicked hour, called to God, preserved by God, and he has a way of doing it, and that's by his revealed word. So we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to find out that God's got a people he's calling out today as well. Relani. We're uh, going to back up just a little bit now for those of you that might not have been, been with us, because we've been talking about three exoduses that God has performed. And uh, so let me just go back and review with you, because there's some repeat patterns that God uses. And if we can find the pattern, and we'll see how God repeats the pattern, and then, then we can look within the pattern sometimes and see where we are as God is repeating a pattern in our own day. Now in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Notice God says, I have come down. Verse 10, come now therefore, he says to Moses, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So now, so God came down, but how did he come down? In a prophet, mm -hmm. in a prophet. God came down in a prophet to do the work of deliverance. And this, the work of deliverance and redemption is, is like twofold thing. Mm -hmm. When God delivers from or redeems, he brings out of and into. So it's always a twofold step. It isn't just out of and into nothingness. Uh, I don't want to step on some toes, but yes, maybe I do. In that we, we look mm -hmm. at the charismatic move and the charismatic move has, has called the people to come, they see it coming out of the systems because they're, they're spotting that maybe their organizational system doesn't have all that they want, so they come out of the systems. But I think they're failing to go into what God would have them to go into, and we'll touch on that more in a moment. Remember that full redemption is out of and into. Mm -hmm. For us individuals, it's out of the world and into Christ. For Israel, it was out of Egypt and into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And so this was God's first exodus. God came down in the prophet Moses. This exodus was to call a nation out of a nation, as we've repeated to you many times, Israel out of Egypt. The second exodus now was at the time of Jesus Christ. And again, in 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So this was initiated now by mm -hmm. God himself coming down to do a work 
of redemption. That was step one in the second exodus, that God came down again, just like he did in the first one. And we know that Moses had said, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like an unto me. And that was Jesus. So again, God came down in a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was the God prophet, but he was still fulfilling scripture as a prophet. And then John 14, 16 says, and I will pray the Father, Jesus speaking, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you. That was Jesus. That was the spirit of God in Jesus Christ dwelling with them right there in, in Christ. And so he was dwelling with them. Of course, that was the Holy Ghost. And then the scripture goes on to say, and shall be in you. So that same life, same Logos life, same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus Christ ascended up on high with Jesus on the day of Pentecost, came back down, dispersed the, that life among the believers on the day of Pentecost. So I shall be in you. Now that was the second exodus. God came down to call a church out of a church, calling the Christian church out of the Jewish church. Mm -hmm. And then we are mm -hmm. presently in the process of this third exodus that we closed with last time, which is encapsulated uh, in the one verse, though not the only place, but encapsulated in the one verse Revelations 18.4 says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. So this verse uh, starts out many questions now to, to be uh, understood, to completely understand that verse. You know, if God called a people out the first time in, in that he brought them out of the world into the promised land, second time he brought a Jewish church, people that believed in the Bible, people that believed in the scriptures, and he brought those Bible-believing people out of Judaism into Christianity, then why would it be so strange to believe that God could call a people today out of church nominal, out of some sort of church system into something greater that would still be church, it would still be attending uh, a service, hearing a preacher, still be hearing the Word of God, just like the Jews, they went from Judaism to Christianity. They didn't throw their Bible away. But God was literally calling a people out of Judaism into mm. Christianity. Then that same God who never changes, if the people begin to stray from the word, true to his word, he'll call people out. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's doing in our day, isn't he? He's yes. calling people out of church systems that are falling by the wayside to create and form for himself a bride dedicated wholly to the word. Well, it diverts from our subject just a little yeah. bit, but if we look at the Bible pattern, the three denominations, if we can call them that, yeah. of the day of Jesus was the Sadducees, Pharisees, and Herodians. Yeah. And Jesus didn't belong to any of them, mm -hmm. and John the Baptist didn't belong to any of them. No, he didn't. In fact, both John and Jesus spoke very ill of the leaders. And the reason they spoke ill of the leaders was because the leaders were taking them into traditions of men rather than into the Word of God. Hmm. And so we find that once a pattern is set in Scripture that it repeats. So now in a Gentile era, mm -hmm. I fear the churches have done exactly the same thing. So John could have been mistaken as a rebel. 
Oh, have yeah. been mistaken as a nonconformist. Yeah, yeah. Because. Jesus too. Even we talking could be mistaken as nonconformists. But oh, in yeah. reality, we have a word not by virtue of ourselves, but because God has sent in this last day a major prophet. Yes. God has sent in this last day a major prophet. We have virtue by that. We then have a word to give to the people that is a voice that's called the people out. Right. Uh, into a greater light. Right. Yeah. In, in the same way that John the Baptist came outside of the systems. Yeah calling the people for one that was to come. Mm -hmm. And he had the spirit of Elijah. And mm -hmm. then now the spirit of Elijah has returned in this day on a prophet. Right. And he's calling the people again to meet the Christ at his second coming. And of course, it starts first with getting the people back to the word to be ready to meet him in the air. Right. And so that we're in that calling. Now, that's why he has to call the people out of this herd that we'll get into in a moment. Right. Call his people out, out, for they can unite with the word or find the word because the word to each age produces what God wants in that age. Right. So Luther's message produced the faith for justification mm -hmm. by faith. Mm -hmm. Wesley's message produced faith for a sanctified life. Mm -hmm. The Pentecostal message produced faith for a, for a baptism of the Holy Ghost and yep. the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But now we're at harvest time, so consequently this word has to produce a people that comes into a fully mature Christian faith. Amen. Not not manifesting the gifts per se. Right. I mean, that's not the call, though they'll right. be there. They'll be there. But the, the, the gifts are not the ultimate call. The ultimate call is the very life of Christ to be reproduced in a people. Mm. And so that's that's when it's harvest time, when the grain has reproduced itself in back in the head again. Can you imagine being a Jew and the name Jesus Christ falls on your ears for the first time. Hmm. And and Bartholomew or Matthew or somebody's trying to talk to you, Peter, and they're trying to say, you, you need to come out of Judaism. And they'd say, but we share the same Bible. Mm -hmm. we, have this, we have similar faiths. We, we believe in Moses. Why are you calling me out of a book I already believe in? And they would say to them, because God is fulfilling more scripture right out of that same book. God is still unveiling more and fulfilling more out of that same book. And it's hard for people to conceive that God in the 21st century could still be calling out of people just like he has through the ages. And fulfilling more scripture. And fulfilling more scripture. That's, that's, the, that's the important key, friends, in every era. It mm -hmm. must be scriptural. It must step out of the pages of the Bible. Let me get back to my sure. notes, uh, Jeff, where we won't go. So, this, so God is calling a bride. That's, that's the point I want to make. Bride out to come out of her. Now, who is this her that they are to come out of? And then who this someone in verse 4 says is my people. Come out of her, my people. So no doubt this has a compound meaning. All scripture has compound meaning. So it may, may apply something to the Jews somewhere down the road. I won't doubt that one bit. But now uh, we're talking about us Gentiles. And so if we back up somewhat, whoever this, uh, whoever or whatever this Babylon is that we're to come out of, for she's about to be judged and so that's what we want to get into now. So let's back up now. Let's open our Bibles with me, if you would. We're, we were reading Revelations 18:4. Come out of her, my people. And we're saying, who is this her? Okay, we're going to read 18:1 now. After these things. Now, after we're going to go back to that. After what things? After chapter 17 has been explained. We'll go back to that in a minute. 
So after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Now keep in mind, friends, when we talk about angels in the New Testament, rarely is it, a, is it a fellow in a white robe with wings on his back. Right. It's a messenger from God. Right. So God has sent a messenger to the earth. That's all angel means is messenger. It doesn't mean always a supernatural being, though God has those. But here again, this is, this is just, well, actually it's the prophet to the last age. He comes down with a message to lighten the whole earth. And verse 2, he says, He cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, a hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornications. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Okay, so now we're seeing the come out of her is out of Babylon. Now, who is Babylon? Well, I can tell you one thing for sure. Uh, it's not that place that Saddam Hussein started rebuilding over there in Iraq. That is not it. That is old Babylon, but that's not the new Babylon. So remember, we started out saying after these things. And so after what things? After we understand what's in chapter 17. That's 18.1, after these things. Let's go back to chapter 17 then and find out after what things. So then let's go to 17.1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Now, when we get into any symbolism, and it's using a female, a woman, it's typing the church, because the, the, the church is a woman, it's supposed to be the bride of Christ. But of course, God is not marrying a whore, so therefore, here's a woman, a church, whose God is labeling as a, as a whore, and she sits upon many waters. So let's take it step by step now. So here's a church sitting upon many waters. And verse 18 says, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So now we have a church that is also a city and has power on a political level over the kings, over the kings of the earth. And then verse 15 says, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So now we have a church that is a city, has power with the kings, and rules over people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So she has a worldwide influence. I don't think <clears throat> it takes too much mathematics to compute what this is or who this is. Verse 2 now. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornications, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. When we, when we just study out the subject, we find out the, the fornication she's giving out is her false doctrine because that, that's the, the spiritual connotation of the literal acts of fornication and adultery. To commit spiritual <coughs> adultery is to receive false doctrine because that's the church receiving seed 
this not Christ's seed. So the true wife receives seed from one source, and that's her husband. The true church receives word from one source, and that's Christ, her husband. And so now here's a church that's, that's a whore, which means she's receiving seed from all kinds of directions. So it's be the seeds of man's thoughts, the seeds of dictates and dogma, but it's not all the word of God. So God says she's a whore. Mm. Now, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. If we were to go into this, we would take it back to Revelation chapter 13, 1, which, which shows us the very same beast, which is, was in 13, 1 was a political power. And so a church is sitting on a political power. So now how many churches have political influence all over the world? You can see that it's just narrowing down, narrowing down, narrowing down. And then where it says that uh, having seven heads and ten horns, verse 9 says, and here is the, here is the mind that has wisdom. Mm -hmm. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So now we've got a church that is a city. It is located on seven hills. It has political influence. It, it can influence kings. It rules over multitudes of people. Mm -hmm. And it's got a lot of its own doctrine rather than Bible doctrine. And then I'll skip verse 4. Verse 5 says, And upon her forehead was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So now here we have Mystery Babylon. That's what she's being called to come out of. And so we've got a label now. It's this woman that is a, God considers to be a whore, but it also says that she has daughters and they're harlots. It's very <laughs> difficult to draw a line of distinction between a whore and a harlot. So in other words, the harlots are acting just like mama. Now, keep this thought in mind. Now the a woman types the church. But when the woman is born, a little baby, she's born virgin. Right. And so consequently, all these church moves that start out, they're virgin moves. Yes, they are. They start out absolutely legitimate, mm -hmm. sincere men based on the word of God. And then they turn to the way that mama acted. Yeah. And now God says, you're a harlot. Mm -hmm. So now what, what was it that God considered this act of harlotry? Well, other than maybe miss, messing up on the word, as soon as they put a man mm -hmm. at the head of many churches, right? Instead or of let's spirit, say, yeah. last time we talked about bishops, yeah. and so let's put many churches under one bishop, not scriptural. Right. The local bishop had authority over the local church. The local pastor has, a, has authority over the local church, mm -hmm. and there's no one higher than the local pastor. Mm. But so as soon as we create a hierarchy and then the local pastor then is subject to the rule and authority of someone higher than himself at some headquarters somewhere, mm -hmm. then, then that's breaking the Bible pattern and now she's following the exact same pattern that, I'll just say it bluntly, the Roman church did, right. which, was the, which was the very first mm. organized mm. Christian church. And that was the very thing that John and Jesus spoke harshly to the Sadducees, Pharisees, and Herodians about. Mm -hmm. They had man at the head instead of the Holy Ghost at the head, or Christ at the head. How does that sort of evolution downward happen? I guess it's logical to denominate. It's logical 
to say, you know what, we've got to oversee these small groups because what if the pastor goes wayward and we've got to be able to have some sort of control? What's, I wonder what motivates. Well, I think you hit it very clearly right there. And then natural thinking would be, uh, we've got this program we want to accomplish, maybe as an individual church, just think how much more powerful we could be if we could all join into one union of churches and put brother so-and-so or pastor so-and-so mm. at the head of this and put, put all of our power together. Or even, even uh, in an age like this, what if we could gather all these churches together under one, let's call it, Council of Churches. Right. How much influence we could have on Washington, D.C. and the policies they would make if we could just put it all together. But see, that's, that's building another Tower of Babel. In fact, that is politics, and you never see Jesus. He just said, render under Caesar's that which is Caesar's. Correct. You never see Jesus utilizing politics to get anything done spiritually. No. It's interesting. There's a, there's a footnote in a Schofield Bible, which I happen to use as Schofield. I don't agree with all of his footnotes, but it's interesting to note <clears throat> that Dr. Schofield brings out that when the church begins to lose spiritual power, she always turns to government power My to, to gain her strength. And so we, we see that uh, in abundance all over the world. So one of the, the signs world. of a church that's becoming apostate is to go from trusting in the leadership of the Holy Spirit to trusting in the arm of man. Correct, yeah. exactly. My. Yeah, it's a minor form of the 666, which is the number of a man. It's a yeah. minor form. The, the, great, the great 666 we know will be the ultimate false prophet and false Christ, antichrist. Right. But the, uh, but the lesser forms of that carry right on down. It's the number of a man. And so it's, it's looking to man for leadership instead of looking to the Holy Ghost for leadership, not resting that the church can do well the way God organized it mm. rather than. I don't remember which king it was, but rather than trusting God, he called on, I think it was um, Egypt or somebody to say, come and help me. Called on one of the other kingdoms anyway, yeah. because so-and-so is gonna come and try to take my kingdom. And God rebuked him yeah, and sure said, did. why didn't you trust me? And so it's logical to lean on the arm of flesh. It's actually more simple yeah. to just jump yeah. to the senses rather than trust God by faith. Absolutely. And so I can see why the systems of man tend to corrupt themselves by uh, running to a hierarchy as opposed to getting on their face and yeah. saying, God, give me yeah. leadership. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, we're talking about these... Well, we're talking about these systems, friends. I, I don't want you to feel we're blasting any of the people in the systems. No. It's not the people. They're good people, sincere people. They're trying to serve God the best they know how. But this, it's the system that corrupts. It's the system that is holding them back mm -hmm. and uh, rather than going on with God. And most commonly, of course, the typical holdback is, is uh, we, we, don't, we don't believe it that way, meaning we, on our creed that we wrote for us Lutherans or Methodists or Baptists, we wrote our creed and we don't believe it that way. But that isn't the issue. It isn't what your creed says. It's what the Bible says. That, that's, that's the whole issue. Right. And that's why God has sent a voice in this last day, come out of her. And so this, the her would be both Mystery Babylon and her harlot daughters. So God is calling a people out of church systems, organized religion, and trying to call them back to the Word. Remember, it's always out of and into. So consequently, God calling the people out of the church systems and back to the Word of God. So it's always the same pattern that repeats and repeats and repeats. It's out of, into, out of, into. And so out of, the, out of organized religion and into a, a walk 
with Jesus Christ and the living word, which couldn't really have been in the previous ages. I'll put it this way. Uh, again, it's another subject. I see we got a little over three minutes left. The, it's another, another, another subject, but each of the uh, four faces of the cherubim, right. lion, ox, man, and eagle, lion, right. ox, man, and eagle, the previous age to, to the one we're in now mm -hmm. was the anointing of man. And so under a man anointing to organize the church was the logical thing to do. So mm -hmm. God would say, yeah, certainly I understand why you did that because man, it's logical to do that. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, now the eagle is begin to fly and that's the anointing of this last age, the fourth beast of, of Revelations chapter six is the, the eagle said, come and see. And so when the eagle says, come and see, now, and now he's coming, calling the people to come up higher. That's Revelations 4.1, come up hither. And so we've got to come up hither and where? Out of the systems of man, out of organized religion, and get into a relationship with Christ, the revealed word. And that's where we're going to find this thing called rapturing faith, rapturing grace. And that's what we as a program are continually trying to bring you to this place. I find it interesting that uh, Babylon, going back to the old Babylon yep. in Genesis 11, it was a desire to politically unite the world around one government yeah. and one language. Correct. And in Revelation <clears throat> 17, she's called Mystery Babylon mm -hmm. because, again, it's, it's a desire of Satan, actually, but mankind uh, to politically unite the world around one religion, <clears throat> one faith, but it's political it is not spiritual in nature at all. Yeah, let me, let me throw this in before we run out of time completely here. In Revelations chapter 13, we could break it down and we will on, uh, will on a future program, but we find that, I'll just put it in reduced terms, God, the, the churches are going to unite and the churches, the, the uh, mm -hmm. Protestant churches are mm -hmm. going to unite and they're going to come into one group or council of churches mm -hmm. and this Council of Churches, it says, is going to point the people back to the first organized religion, which is Catholicism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're going to find that Protestantism is going to try and take the people back to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And that's why God is trying to call the people out, because there will be a place that once they get back into that place, there's no getting out. And just to drop the bomb on you, that will be the mark of the beast, right. that will be. To, be. to be caught at a certain time, at a certain time in God's program, to be caught in those systems is to be caught with the mark of the beast. And you sure don't want that, friends. So this cry has come out of her, my people, mm -hmm. and be not a partaker of her plagues. We're sharing with you. Please write to us yes. if you have questions. Please write to us because we want you to be, have clear understanding right. what's going on right. uh, with the Word of God and where we are Amen. in God's great program. We don't have much time left for God, but there's time for you. See you next week. request a copy of today's program on DVD, be sure to mention the title, A Call to the Ministry. Contact us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio, zip code 45801 here in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. 
Thanks for joining us today, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.